0: Hello, welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast. I'm Dr. Ishan, a licensed clinical psychologist, board-certified behavioral sleep medicine specialist, and adjunct clinical faculty at Stanford School of Medicine. If you have insomnia, you possibly heard this advice. You need to go out, get more natural sunlight. But it's not just about the amount of light you actually get. It's actually, it's about what specific type of light you are getting and they are impacting your sleep, your health. So I just learned all about this from Robert Solar, a former NASA engineer, a National Science Foundation fellow, and the founder of BIOS Lighting. So what's the magical power of light? How can we use it to help us get more productive at work and be healthier? So in this episode, he will explain many signs behind this and one of their product that really incorporate all these signs. So Robert's team offers a temporary 20% off coupon to all of our listeners. And the code is DeepSleep20. I do not have any affiliation relationships with them, but if you're curious about their product, please don't forget to use this discount. I will be right back after the break. Do you struggle with falling asleep at night? After waking up, are you so sleepy that you cannot focus? Are you tired of drinking coffee all day long? Are you worried how your poor sleep may harm your health? CBTI method is an evidence-based first-line treatment for insomnia. If you have insomnia, I'm sure this method can help you. Even just sleep better for several nights, it may make a huge transformation for you. Feel free to check out my CBTI course at deepintosleep.co insomnia. Welcome, Robert, to Deep Into Sleep podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I'm so excited. I know you are a NASA engineer and you are founder of your own company. How about you briefly introduce yourself before we get started?
1: Yeah, so um, I was fortunate enough to start my career um, at NASA. So my my interest Mm. was all about kind of lighting and how light affects people. Mm. I got a job at NASA um, to help put the first LED light on International Space Station. And then I kind of worked in with the human research and performance team there. I mean, it was a brand new time. So they had the kind of the scientists who discovered that there's another photoreceptor on our eye that drives our circadian rhythms. So then I became subject matter expert on creating the lighting system on space station to recreate a 24-hour cycle in an environment where they orbit the earth every 90 minutes. So they see a sunrise every 90 minutes. and our bodies don't know how to handle that kind of information. You know, it's all about the 24 hour cycle that we have. Um, so it was really interesting to target the specific photoreceptor to basically give it that day night signal on a 24 hour schedule so that, uh, these astronauts who see a sunrise. So in such an odd, you know, period could actually, sleep and wake up according to the 24-hour cycle because we're we're doing it in, in a strong way inside space station and some of the data is coming out that it's been really beneficial to to their sleep to their circadian rhythms and to their you know overall well-being wow yeah mm-hmm. and so then i you know i took that um did some jet lag mitigation um so using lights to help people um, with jet lag. I did that for pro- professional sports teams, the Olympic ski and snowboard team, Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, and then um, started a company. I'm now an advisor to the International Well Building Institute, which is a kind of a standard that's out there to um, promote, you know, um, if anyone knows LEED for buildings, which is about the sustainability of the materials of that building, um, what's good for the planet. Um, well is the same thing, but what's good for the people inside that building. My expertise on that is kind of, you know, ushering how we should be designing for circadian lighting in, time, in our interior spaces. Yeah. And I think that that's pretty much me in a nutshell.
0: That's really cool. Wow. I really like your experience and how you apply to all this, like experience, knowledge to really help to solve real life problems. And light and sleep is such an important topic that I don't think my podcast really covers that in uh, depth. So I'm very happy that today we can talk more about the science and the applications behind that. I know when you mentioned the the building, right, within, um, uh, within a certain space, how you design the lighting to help people sleep. I know some hospitals actually do that. I read some research papers a while ago, talk about inpatient hospitals. How they notice those lightning and uh, uh, and also the schedule of the lights and impact their patients' sleep schedule and yeah
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. and that 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 in turn impacts when they you know how they heal and how you know how fast they get out of the hospital right
0: right Um, right if you don't sleep well you heal slow yeah
1: Yeah. Yeah, tremendous benefit for ICU delirium as well. People right. are in the hospital so long they don't know when is day and when is night, so it's really important for that as well. Yeah, it's a it's a really important topic, and I think that one that almost everyone takes for granted. You know, the lights. You know, you got to switch. It's super easy. You turn on the lights and you can see. Uh, you turn them off and you know, and then you go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but it's just so much more than that just kind of understanding that is is really the key. And I think that we're at a point, you know, we know that light at night or blue light, people are talking about blue light at night and -hmm. and what comes from screens and how it inhibits sleep. But I think it's so much more than that. You know, it's really this idea of brighter days and darker nights. And blue light is absolutely the, the culprit that's driving this newly discovered photoreceptor. It's a sky blue photoreceptor. So it's looking for those, long wavelength, blue light wavelengths or light colors, I guess you'd say. And so it's really just taking that information. And so it's going to other regions of the brain, not to what drives vision, but goes to the regions of the brain that drive um, your vigilance, your daytime cognition increases in the mood. And then it also synchronizes our circadian rhythms that tells our body that it's daytime um, and getting lots of it synchronizes our rhythms and our circadian rhythms is uh, I'm sure, you know, it's not just about sleep and wake, although that's a big part of it. We're very complicated creatures, so we're doing things at a very specific time every single day. Um, I think a study in like 2014 said that um, like 83% of our genetic expression is circadian, which means that we're doing the same thing at the same time every single day. So It's, it's really important and really fundamental to our health we're getting to the point where we're talking about blue light and blue light at night and how it inhibits our sleep. But the thing that I've been focusing on is that these walls and the way we normally design offices actually isn't giving us enough of the daytime lighting. So it's that brighter day and darker nights. So we kind of understand that we want to make it darker at night, but we're not paying nearly enough attention to the daytime component. And that I think is so important because it's, telling our body it's important for health, for our cognition, our mood. You know, light is, a, is critical for our health, and we don't even realize it. And I think that's the point that I, I would love to make to anyone who's listening. And when you get that, that basic bright daytime signal, that's the foundation for your circadian rhythm. So at night, it's very clear that this is, this is nighttime and it's time to sleep.
0: Yeah, I'm so happy you mentioned that. A lot of time when we treat patients with insomnia, we always encourage them to understand sleep is not only a nighttime thing. You want a good sleep? You need to start from the daytime, right? Start from the morning. The whole day what you are doing will contribute the quality of the sleep at night. So we, we talk about morning, uh, natural sunlight is is really so important. And when you mention daytime, like in the room, how much light you get, uh, how how should we understand the you know light within the building, within the room versus the natural sunlight? There, is there a way they can be equivalent or there's no way to nothing can replace natural sunlight?
1: Yeah, you know, it's um it's really interesting. So um here in the States, so I think that um you know daylight is the best, obviously. And if you could get outside, try to do that, do that. So Easy recommendation probably one that you provide to um, any of your patients is that, you know, get outside early morning, early morning, get outside and, and go see, see the light. Um, sunlight is, is ideal for, for your sleep that night. It sets your circadian rhythms, lets it know it's daytime and the clock starts ticking until that next nighttime, right? But when we're inside, unless you are facing at the window, the light coming from those windows is just not enough you get about 20% of what, if I just turn. So actually I'm, I'm, I'm looking out a window right now. So okay. i set up my office to have a, where I'm facing out a window. So I get enough light. I have also um, some SkyView products that we developed um, that are also beneficial, which I want to point out, they, they have some weird effects that um, that I would be surprised that I was, I was surprised by. Hmm. Um, but if I go here, When I just turn over here where I'm not facing that window, now all of a sudden I'm getting so much less than what I need to be getting. Last year in in February, a consortium of of photobiologists and and circadian experts came together to put a recommendation of how much light we should be getting. Um, They had a metric for determining the the circadian effectiveness uh, called melanopic EDI, which is equivalent daylight illuminance. Um, and we need 250 uh, melanopic EDI in terms of Lux. But if, so here I have, and my window's huge. It's it's uh, really quite wide um, to pretty much the ceiling. If I turn, so if I'm here facing it, I'm getting more than I need. But if I just turn over here, now I'm getting about half of what I need. Unless, and and I think what, so what's really interesting is that when you look at behavior, most people, in most buildings, you have a choice. You either face the window or you face the door, um, which means that you, if you're facing the window, you're back towards the door. Um, right. And I think privacy is the priority over daylight exposure for most people. So this is always the challenge, is that, you know, trying to get around behavior, trying to create a solution as an engineer, but one that they're actually going to use. That's the challenge. I mean, I'm sure you have. I mean, I've talked to sleep um, clinicians um, as well, and you know they talk about, like you said, morning light. You prescribe a light box, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the compliance on these light boxes is like so low. Right. Um, at least all the people that I talk awesome. to, it's a big box of light. You got to sit, you know, next to it for 30 minutes a day. Nobody has the time for that. They're always frustrated because they know it works. They know light boxes work. But the people don't want to use it. It's either too bright, too uncomfortable, too invasive looking. you know it it almost like says, "Hey, there's something wrong with me." So I think that people are just kind of embarrassed to to kind of use it. We're always kind of thinking about, and you know, yes, you should look out the window, but what if you're not looking out the window? It, it's an amazing thing when you when you think about it. These newly discovered photoreceptors, nobody cares about them. Um, so they don't, they make these LEDs that are specifically tailored to vision, not biology at all. Um, so if you just tailor it to the biology, you could actually have a light that is exactly where you need to have it. No matter if your back is towards the window, uh, facing the door, um, and it gives you everything that you need. It meets that wellness criteria all by itself. Um, and it just plugs in. Um, so they don't, they make these LEDs that are specifically tailored to vision, not biology at all. So if you just tailor it to the biology, you could actually have a light that is exactly where you need to have it. No matter if your back is towards the window, uh, facing the door Mm. and it gives you everything that you need. It meets that wellness criteria all by itself. Um, and it just plugs into the wall. Um, and I think that that's, that's really important in kind of solving this issue. One, people um, don't give light enough value. Mm-hmm. And two, things like light boxes are too unusual that people are going to go, well, I don't want to do that. It just feels like something that I, right. I know it might be good for me, but I'm not going to do it because I don't want to, like, you know, tell people there's something wrong with me.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like you and your team use science to really try to solve a real-life dilemma. I do want to ask more about that product. I'm curious about that personally. But also, I want to clarify the window thing because um, I, I, I heard some different research before. I also have a window, but on my side, according to you, all right, I'm not getting enough. Um, so I heard from some researchers, when you directly face the window, it's still the window will filter out possibly 50% of the natural sunlight. So uh, when, even when you face the window, it's still different than when you step outside. That's
1: but, right.
0: So, so I want to ask you first how you think about that, and will this filtered sunlight still be enough? And uh, sounds like you think it is enough. And of course, if you turn away from the window in different directions, you're going to get less and less.
1: Absolutely. As you get further away and as you turn de- different directions, um, but you're, you're absolutely right. So if you're facing it, you get enough of the sky blue, um, which is good for circadian rhythms. We're actually kind of looking at this next frontier of, of photoreceptors that are looking at violet light, mm-hmm. not ultraviolet light, but kind of this visible violet light um, that's important for eye health. Um, things like myopia and development, um, but even like energy metabolism. I think there is a, you had a guest previously talking about sleep and energy metabolism, right? Yes. And so, um, so in the same way um, we're doing this stuff um, with a group, um, a a big hospital in Cincinnati um, doing, using metabolic chambers and light to kind of see what happens and there's some really interesting data that I, I can't share here. It's not mine to say, and it's it's still unpublished. But a lot of these windows are filtering out specifically those violet lights. So oh. even though you're talking about 50% reduction, because the violet light is close to UV, that UV is the stuff that you know degrades your, your materials, starts fading things. Um, so they block it all out. So these windows are just are blocking out a ton of this violet light that's super important for eye health, super important for metabolic health, um, super important, to, and we're we're still finding out what else it's it's useful for. So this hospital we have employed it in a, a NICU, and so we think it's actually really important for developmental health health as well. Mm-hmm. Um, again, yeah, to your point, the windows. Good, and facing it is better for circadian health, but there's some other things that those windows are absolutely filtering out that oh. that we're just not getting at.
0: I think this is very helpful for me to understand, and hopefully the audience gets deeper knowledge about this. So it's not just about the amount of light you need. yeah the light is very complicated. There's different little components in it, and different type of specific light can like impact our health. Uh, differently, right? And it could be beyond circadian rhythm, beyond sleep, and even eye health that I never really think about before you mentioned this to me. So it's like really think about what type of light you're getting, not just among the light you're getting.
1: That's, that's exactly right. And I, and one more thing, because a lot of times, you know, people might think about, they might be like, oh, circadian lighting is the color of the light, Right. Uh-huh and these receptors that are driving this are not the visual receptors so it may look like you're changing the colors but it's not doing really much biologically at all maybe a behavioral thing but it's not really getting at the core of what these wavelengths are so they use the short wavelength blue which is right in the middle of that violet that's important and the long wavelength blue that's also important so like almost pinpoints the stuff that's you know visually looks important like it's a lot's happening but biologically it's really kind of missing the whole point of of healthy light
0: oh wow yeah because weightless it's not something we could easily detect as you know general public right how we we're gonna know we're gonna have to trust those products those lights around us and what is available and so color is something we could see so we thought oh this possibly is it yeah
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, of course, if you go outside, it's all very broad, right? Mm -hmm. So it's covering, it's got them all covered. Um, And our eyes, you know, know, take all that information. But what we did is we tailored all these spectrums to be the most energy efficient. And all we were measuring for was vision. Mm -hmm. We didn't even know these other things existed. So what happens is all like Almost like every single LED is terrible at providing these biological signals. No matter what color it is, it's terrible at doing it. Um, The previous fluorescent was maybe a little bit better. Um, Incandescent is, you know, it's all, I mean, no one uses incandescent anyways, but they were all optimized for lumens per watt. How many lumens you're getting out of that package for the least amount of watts? not knowing that there was all these other things that were super beneficial to make light really healthy for us. They only cared about vision. And that's how we got to this problem, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. So help me understand how you target this and when you detect this is a problem. And what's the difference of your products? Is that a type of light you can put in front of you and just plug in so it can give out this like healthy wavelengths of light?
1: Yeah. So we actually had to make, um, custom LEDs. So LEDs are, you can make any wavelength you want. Mm. The the industry just doesn't make these key ones, the key long wavelength blue, uh, because we don't visually see it very well, but okay. so they don't, they choose not to make it. So we, we had to make our own. Um, and then we made another special one that kind of, um, gets to the, um, kind of the melatonin suppression components of things. So one is designed for, for alertness and cognition. The other one is for melatonin suppression, which is important for circadian rhythms. And so we combine those two together to um, to create a holistic solution. And then we do it in a way, I, I know you said that there's a video, so maybe you could mm-hmm. see it. It comes out mm-hmm. a little bit. Wow, maybe. very bright. Okay, so there's like a, no, no, no. I want you to be able to see the, the oh, color the color, yeah, yeah. It.
0: I, I say like blue-ish so color.
1: So it looks like this. So ah. it has kind of a blue sky, warm sun. And just like what's going on outside, we add in all the like all the wavelength components that are important. You know, someone else could make something that looks like this, but you almost have to trust us that we, we put in all the all the science and research in the wavelengths that come out of this. So it's It's probably, I I guess to your your previous point, it's probably better than the, because the window is filtering out all those violet wavelengths of light. Mm. You can tell I'm pretty proud of it. I can tell you're excited. (laughs) From, uh, you know, from years of, you know, working with NASA and NASA astronauts and professional athletes. And man, these are probably the most stubborn people you could ever meet. Um, and if you could make them kind of go, okay, I like that. And it's good for me. Uh, I always say, I know people like Brussels sprouts, but I don't. Um, so I know Brussels sprouts are good for me, but, um, if they don't taste good, um, then I'm not going to eat them. Right. Um, so you have to, you have to kind of placate to both things. What is good for you biologically, um, and what's, what you're actually going to like to have. So this is why we kind of came up with something that was very beautiful. Um, something you'd be proud to have on your desk. It doesn't feel like, you know, like medicine. It doesn't feel like it's something that that should be good for you. It's just something that's very pretty. People who've had them on their desk, they'll talk about people come up to them and go, oh my gosh, what is that? It's like a, it's like an art installation. Every day right. people walk by and they point it out and they're like, "What? what is that? That's uh-huh. really pretty.
0: Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. And being pretty is important because you have to fit it in the design, right? And also it, it it cannot be bright enough that you cannot even look at it. Uh, since yeah. it's, uh, it's if it's gonna be on your desk, it cannot hurt your eyes. Like you said, it's supposed to be for our sleep health, eye health, for a lot of like great health components. And I just want, I'm curious, I want to ask, is this light can be kind of like a alternative choice for light box?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So it doesn't do the ten thousand lux, which is like the standard for light boxes. Yeah, but we do that on purpose because nobody wants the ten thousand lux. They, they'll maybe if you know they slept terribly and they know it's good for them, fifteen minutes, and then they're like, "I don't, I can't do it anymore." This is something that you feel good all day long doing it, mm-hmm. and we actually had clinical research that we did um, at Harvard, and we kind of used it as a simulated workday. And we saw, we saw, you know, improvements in mood, improvements in productivity, reductions in error, improvements in reaction time. And those are like, have nothing to do with sleep. We also measured sleep. They got, they got about 15 minutes more um, sleep. They slept earlier, um, better sleep efficiency, all the things that you would expect to happen if you had a light box. So we got the same benefits, but if you have it all day long, like I mentioned before, these receptors also handle daytime signal type stuff, mood, cognition, alertness, vigilance, cognition. These are things that spo- we're daytime active people. When it's daytime, we're supposed to be out doing stuff. And we've really kind of done ourselves a disservice by, you know, putting ourselves in the dark with the lighting that we've kind of done to date.
0: Oh, okay. So let me understand this clinical research. I'm very excited about any clinical research. I Really appreciate any product actually going to clinical trial because I think with data to support its effectiveness is always make it more uh, legit yep. and trustworthy. And because we are scientists, we we trust data, we trust research. So I want to understand when you did the study, is that like using this light, the the your your the light you designed. So using this light for how many hours, in what way per day, you notice this kind of uh, awesome improvement in mood and sleep and productivity?
1: Yeah, so it was eight hours, eight hours a day, simulated work, work day, um, and it was uh, within subjects design. So a crossover design, so the people, the, the study design was based on standard office lighting, or standard office lighting and you plug in this this um supplemental light ah. half the people got the condition a first you know standard office half got condition b first then they um slept and then got the other one so this is a crossover design within subjects they compared them to themselves and they saw you know pretty pretty compelling results ah, um right. so it's it's now um published in the journal sleep
0: oh Journal, if uh, our audience don't know, uh, Journal of Sleep is the best, top, topest journal in the sleep science field.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, we got some really good researchers uh, to do it. Um, the group um, at, at Harvard, um, Brigham and Women's, um, they have a repertoire and they get into to some pretty good high-impact journals.
0: Wow, awesome. Well, I'm really excited about this. Sounds like this slide could be a good supplement. And you can have your natural light, lighting scene wherever you are, and you can just use this as an extra and it does not hurt your eyes. It can just be there for the whole day, whenever you are working, it can just be there. And how about at night? Do do we supposed to turn this off? Don't use this at night?
1: Great question. Yeah, we actually have it set up on an app because that's also important, right? If you're, Mm -hmm. if you have this high potency, you can't just have it 24 hours a day. Right. Um, so it's, it's app controlled um, from the phone. It gathers your you know, location so it could do exactly what's going on outside, mm. which is great if you're at a place where outside is doing pretty much what you want to do inside. But a lot of times people sleep at different times. There's a, there's a term called social jet lag, which is yeah. that your, your social requirements aren't in phase with your internal um, circadian biology. Um, so it also has the ability to go based on your wake time and sleep time, and it automatically sunrises, gives you the daytime signals, sunsets uh, three hours before you're supposed to naturally go to bed, and goes into an evening mode, which pulls out all that blue signal as a very nice warm amber environment, and as you get closer to to actual bedtime, it gets to a, a, like more red color. So it's something that's really biologically like darkness.
0: Oh, so it um, can change not only change colors, obviously, but also it actually changed the wavelengths and adjust based on your own schedule, adjust to, uh what kind of right. light is good for you and for the time.
1: That's right. Yeah. So it, yeah. it really could go anywhere and improve your health wherever you take it. That's like table lamp. Um it could be we really designed it for productivity purposes to have that just office companion if you will but it totally makes sense in residential areas um, living rooms and of course bedrooms obviously because it it really does bring you down to something that's biologically darkness and gives you everything that I've learned over the last let's see I started this in 2007 Uh, so what is that 16 years the last 16 years I've been working on on this topic, and this is kind of everything um, I've learned into into one product, it is um, by far my baby.
0: (laughs) I can see you're super proud of it. And sounds like it's very effective and there's data to support it. So it's more like kind of like evidence-based good office companion, right? And or health supplement uh, in a way, yeah. Thank you for listening. If you like my podcast, please feel free to go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review, and rate us. Also, I have two English YouTube channels, one called Deep Into Sleep Podcast. The other one is about mental health in general. It's called Mind, Body, Garden Psychology. If you like video format, please feel free to subscribe us on YouTube. Thank you for listening. I'm Dr. Ishan. I will see you next time. Bye.
1: Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk,
0: and our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed.